It's Monday, February 12th, 2018. I'm Herbie Newell, and this is the Defender Podcast, a daily encouragement to mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This daily podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Well, this is our weekly Monday Bible study and call to prayer. Today, we are continuing our study on the gospel according to Luke, and we are joined by a vice president of operations, Blake Wilson. Blake will walk us through Luke chapter 8, verses 40 through 56. I'm excited to be back with you guys again today um, as we continue our study in the book of Luke. And I'm just always excited to have the chance to speak to our team here at Lifeline and then just excited to see what's happening with our podcast and the opportunity that we have to reach a broader audience. And um, as we round out the book of, um, I'm sorry, the chapter, um, eight of the book of Luke. I have just been challenged personally and I'm excited to share with you guys some of what the Lord has just taught me through my study of these few verses um, as we look at the life of Jairus and his daughter um, and then as well as this woman who um, who was sick and suffering and really um, immediately as I was studying through this, um, the things that were brought to mind were the differences between these two women in regards, I'm sorry, into these two people in regards to their um, maybe view from those around them in society. You've got this um, educated leader of the synagogue um, who the scripture refers to as a ruler Um, And then you've got this woman who is viewed as an outcast, who has completely been cut off from society um, because she is viewed as unclean. But yet you see our Savior minister to both of them in the same way, to meet their needs, to meet them where they are, and able to um, fulfill um, his earthly ministry here. Um, as as he serves the um, those around him. So, in uh, in Luke chapter eight, we're going to start reading in verse forty, um, and then we'll end up going through the end of this chapter in verse fifty six. But in in Luke eight verse forty, it says, "Now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue, and falling at Jesus's feet, he implored him to come to his house." For he had only one daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. And I think we can stop there. And if you're a parent listening, you think of your children being in the state of Jairus' daughter on their deathbed, and you need somebody to help, and you need somebody to help fast. And And I think that in that moment, all dignity, all pride, all anything that you have that may be um, that may be holding you back, it all just goes out the window because you are in fixed mode. You want to make sure that your child survives. And I've I've never been put in the position to um, to to think or see or experience that my kids are on their deathbed. But I've been in experiences and times, and I'm sure many of you guys have as well, where you see your child in need. You see that your child um, is physically sick. 
um, and you want to help your child. You want to make sure that your child receives the care that they need um, in order to recover. And I remember um, my my youngest son um, experiencing some some sickness when he was an infant, and and ultimately my wife's intuition um, of something is wrong, and her going to the doctor and the doctor saying, you know, I think he's just uh, adjusting to formula, or let's change this, and and the persistence of my wife of saying no, something else is wrong. You need to run some X-rays. You need to do some additional testing. Um, and praise the Lord for a mom's intuition. Um, 24 hours later, my son was having surgery on his stomach. Um, and, and I think of the persistence of my wife, of, of her persevering and, and persisting that the doctors run additional tests because something was wrong. She wasn't going to take no for an answer. But you look at Jairus in this situation of him coming in verse 41 says, falling at the feet, he implored him to come to his house. Because his daughter was dying, um, he was willing to put it all out there. Whatever um, status he may have um, tried to maintain within the community, it all um, it all went out the window. It wasn't worth it. He was falling before the feet of his Savior, begging for him to come and help his daughter. Um, Jairus came expecting the Lord to help, expecting that the Lord could heal his daughter, could bring her back um, to the healthy daughter that he knew he once had. Let's continue reading and look um, at verse 43. And it says, As Jesus went, the people pressed around him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment and immediately... Her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, Who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowd surrounds you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I perceive the power has gone out of me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him. And she declared in his presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. So we can see here the same response that this woman had um, is very similar to the response that Jairus had. She came before him and she fell before his feet. Um, And I want to remind us again of of how she um, was looked and viewed as an outcast in, in society. I mean, this woman had... Um, been hemorrhaging and had this flow of blood for over 12 years. Um, she was in a desperate condition, and, and ultimately her bleeding made her ceremonial and socially unclean. So this would been, this would have made her um, almost um, an outcast of, of living alone, having no social inter- interaction for up to 12 years. So you can think um, about the desperation that this woman had how she longed for a Savior. She longed to be healed and knew that it was only Jesus um, that could that could make her clean. So um, she was desperate, and she fell before him um, to, to seek that healing. I think another thing that we need to point out is the humility that both Jairus and this woman had as they came before the Father. 
Um, and honestly, I think it's a, it's a piece that we're missing in our world today, in our culture. We have a, we have a self-serving culture. We have a, it's all about me and, and a very prideful world that we live in. Um, and just um, a lack of humility and, and how we see both um, this man and this woman coming in, in humility and falling before um, the Lord, asking him, um, asking him to help. Um, in uh, the latter part of this, in verse 49, let's continue reading. It says, while he was still speaking. So he, he tells this woman, he says, daughter, your faith has been, uh, has made you well. Go in peace. So while he is speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. And when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and John and James and the father and mother of the child. And all were weeping and mourning for her. But he said, do not weep, for she is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But taking her in um, his hands, he called, saying, child, arise. And her spirit returned, and she got up at once, and he directed. And he directed that something should be given to her to eat. And her parents were amazed, but he charged them to tell no one what had happened. Um, so let's let's look at, at the faith of both Jairus and um, of this woman. You know, you see the, the faith of, of this woman um, in this situation and, and how there were multitudes of people, the scripture says, pressing in against her. Um, and how um, how the disciples speak up, and actually it was Peter who says, um, "Do you not understand? There, there's a lot of people around here. There's no way to tell who it was." But Jesus says, "No." I, you know, his response is, "I felt the power leave me. I felt someone reach out." Um, but what the what the disciples and Peter didn't understand was the difference between this casual contact with Jesus and then ultimately a strong. Um, desire and faith to reach out and allow Jesus to heal them in faith, and and I think, you know, there's an illustration that I that I read about the difference between just uh, bumping into Jesus and having an encounter with Him, and it says, you know, when the woman's miracle was revealed, they might say, "I bumped into Jesus and I touched Him, yet I wasn't healed." But there's a huge difference between bumping into Jesus. Here and there, and and reaching out and touching him in faith. It's it's you can come to church week after week and bump into Jesus, but that isn't the same of reaching out and touching him in faith. And you can see this woman reaching out, touching the hem of his garment in faith, knowing that is only Jesus who can heal. And and in Jairus Jairus's um, state as well, he comes before Jesus, falling before him, begging, imploring him to come and heal his daughter um but you also have this man that we just that we just read um in the in the latter part of this chapter um that says don't bother the the teacher it's this this spokesman's from the ruler's house came and said your daughter's dead don't don't trouble the teacher anymore um it's too late it's too late but jesus's response says um don't be afraid but only believe don't be afraid, but only believe. You know, Jairus' faith was tested here. 
Um, you know, I put myself in the position of, of this of this father, um, of knowing that your daughter is sick. She is in need, and and Jesus is on his way to help. And then there's this crowd that is um, is really delaying his arrival. There's this woman who is ceremonial unclean who reaches out and touches him, which stops him even more. Um, and maybe the anger and disappointment from Jairus in this situation of if if she hadn't stopped him or if the crowds hadn't been so aggressive, he would have made it in time. But Jesus' response just says, Jairus, just don't be afraid. Just believe. Just believe. It's gonna it's gonna be okay. And 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 ultimately we see we see him arrive at Jairus's house and and bring his daughter um, back to life. You know, and I, I think as we um, as we serve serve our Father, let us not lose sight um, that He is in control. That obstacles are going to come our way. There's going to be um, people stopping us in our path, or maybe um, maybe uh, delaying our plans. But the Lord is sovereign. The Lord has a plan. The Lord is at work in our lives. And let us come before the Lord expecting. Let us come before the Lord with humility and faith, knowing um, that He is faithful, knowing that He is working through us. But as He told Jairus, don't be afraid, but only believe. You know, let us approach our day um, not in fear, but knowing that the Lord has a plan knowing that we can rely on him to sustain us, to direct us, and to guide us as we serve him and believe that he is at work with those circumstances that are surrounding us and those opportunities that come before us each day. Thanks, Blake. And this week, we are praying for the country of Liberia. We are praying that the government of Liberia, specifically that the people will take a stand against corruption and that their hearts will be turned to care for the most vulnerable in the country. We pray that the government would turn away from corruption and turn towards its people. We want to pray for the church in Liberia, for purity in their doctrine, for truth to be taught, and for godly leaders to be raised up, for opportunities for us to come alongside the churches to ultimately help them to care for orphans and the vulnerable. We, we want to pray for our ministry partner, REAP International, who partners with Unadopted to help train and equip older orphans with life skills and job skills in, in sewing and manufacturing and baking and through different camps that we do throughout the year. Pray for Christine Norman, who is the director of REAP, and for her to pass the vision well to her team and, and for her health as she continues to finish strong the work that the Lord has given her. Pray that the Lord would raise up local leaders to give toward the financial needs on the ground, specifically for these camps, and, and pray for the kids that will attend the camps this year. Pray that God would move in their hearts and draw them to himself and that this would not just be a camp where they would learn a skill, but this would be a camp where they would learn integrity, but most importantly, that they would learn the, the tenets of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We, we pray for the people that are leading the camps, for them to be intentional with the kids, for, for them to be intentional with the gospel, for them to be intentional with training these children and to be intentional with training others well. Pray that the local church would also play just a key role in discipling these young men and young women after the camp is over and that these churches would go into these orphanages, that these churches would seek out these kids and begin and continue to disciple and nurture what's happened in these camps. Pray for uh, our staff member, Pastor Def Destiny Nuon, as he is serving daily so that the gospel would be made known through him to orphanage and vulnerable children. 
and 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 just pray that that as destiny ministers to the population of orphans and vulnerable children, that, that he would have wisdom, that he would have grace, that he would have encouragement. We, we're so grateful for this brother and for what he's doing. And, and we just praise the Lord for the partnership of churches like the Church of Brook Hills who have uh, continued to give through their members to, to equip the people of Liberia to care for orphans and vulnerable children and to equip the church to care for orphans and vulnerable children. Lord, we pray for the country of Liberia. We know that they've had a long history of government corruption, so we certainly pray for their leaders, that they would uh, have integrity, that they would seek to help the people, not to rob or to steal from the people. We pray that you would give the church just boldness to care, boldness to speak, boldness to get involved. Lord, we pray specifically for REAP International and for Christine Norman and for those who are getting engaged in Liberia with REAP International and our partnership. We pray for the churches that are engaged with this partnership. We pray for these camps and for these kids that will be going to these camps, for the adults that will be training, for the leaders for for destiny as he just loves on the leaders as he loves on the kids as he shows the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children lord we pray that your gospel and your name and your renown would be made known in liberia thanks for listening to the defender podcast for more information or to connect with me please visit herbienewell.com to partner with lifeline visit lifelinechild.org follow us on twitter instagram or facebook by searching for lifeline child you can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org beloved will you allow god to use the gospel to you to impact the life of a child please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless we'll see you again tomorrow for the defender podcast